Timogas podcast ladies and gentlemen this is where uh, we go behind the thoughts um, uh, of um, those who um, make the art uh, the thoughts that animate the actions of those who create the arts and uh, diplomacy is considered an art at least till now and uh, as is authorship and both of them have words in common and their judicious use as well uh, so we thought we'd uh, find out exactly how that is done uh, with um, uh, with diplomat and author uh, Omar Gubash uh so thank you very much for joining us thank you um one uh, of your professions or, or maybe the the primary profession can we call it or uh, that of a diplomat uh, yes uh, uh, yeah. it, it exercises uh, my, my day job it's it's your day job uh, must exercise uh, constraint and fact based information and uh, uh, and what you do in the evening putting pen to paper is a little more creative uh, those two worlds separate for you or they merge sometimes uh, wow uh, in, in in a world of disinformation actually there's a lot of overlap between uh, between the world of writing and and, and diplomacy I say that kind of in, in, in jest, but, but there's almost a lot of truth to it. You're always trying to build up a narrative, yeah. and you, you spend time every day trying to understand the world around you. Uh, there is understanding the world that you work in, and then there's understanding the world that you retire into afterwards. And they're both kind of occasions where you have to make uh, choices. And so how do you make those choices about how you build the world around you? Uh, I, uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest, it's, um, it's n not easy. And so... If, if I find that it's not easy for myself, I'm assuming it's not easy for, for, for people out there. Um, of course, what's happening in, in, in Europe at the moment is just another example of how we build uh, narratives around um, crucial events. For sure. Um, and also how helpless we can feel on the outside, not being able to fully understand. Uh, sure. Making a commitment to a certain kind of reading and then discovering through you know, conversations with other people that there is an entirely different aspect that can you know, turn your reading upside down. So... Uh, it's also a time when um, information is uh, increasingly masquerading as knowledge because information is passive and now it seems to be everywhere. Knowledge is a more active pursuit where you actually uh, uh, bring in information and then collate it into uh, knowledge and a lot of information is now being passed off as knowledge. Do you think uh, uh, that's a bit of a threat to the world we live in? I think it is because, um, again, who are the who are the authorities that decide what is what is um, knowledge and what isn't? Yeah. Um, who is selecting that uh, sure. knowledge to be presented? These are difficult issues, um, including in, in government. Uh, but even at the level of you know, daily work, uh, I find myself pulling back into a place where uh, the only thing that I can really do is look at the things that I can control uh, and the things that I can verify with my own um, you know sort of sources. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been proved incorrect on more than one occasion. Sure. So it just shows how fragile, uh, actually, the, the, the world around us is. Um, and at what level that you're looking at, 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 at kind of narratives around you. And some, some of the narratives are very focused on uh, sort of social situations or family situations or sure. specific instances. And then there are the more geopolitical, strategic uh, level, uh, level approaches. Uh, and, uh, you know, how do you decide which one is the most appropriate one? Um, and you know, what are the long-term consequences of, of favoring one level of analysis over another? Right. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, these are also things that are based on ideas, I would yeah. assume. Um, and ideas are some things that, again, for your day job and, uh, and yeah. for your writing are important. Um, would you agree that ideas have increasingly been uh, weaponized to serve certain agendas and that information is now uh, beginning to fit into those ideas rather than it flowing uh, free and ideas being discussed more freely? You think it's becoming a shrinking world, for example? Uh, shrinking and polarized. Um, 
and less nuanced and less sophisticated and less interested, I think. Uh, and, I mean, potentially, in a way, many of those you know, kind of sophistications are uh, less relevant because decisions right. are being made on, on the basis of simplifi simplified, reduced views of the, of, of the world. Um, so, yeah. I think, uh, and that's the thing, I think uh, debate is a, is a bit of a sacrifice uh, that's been made at the altar of, uh, of ideas. Uh, in that way, the nuance yeah. is, is, is lost a little, isn't it? Uh, but, but there's also sometimes a, uh, I get the feeling that the debate is just a, a form of pleasure uh, and actually the decision that is made at the end is made by a completely different set of people uh, operating different levers that have mm. actually nothing to do with the public debate or the, uh, the political debate. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's something that's appeared in Western political theory. There is a danger that you have a talking shop and then you have, you know, the smoky background. In fact, and that's a very interesting point because, uh, you know, increasingly, would you agree that we're becoming increasingly a world of the ors rather than the ands. You have to be this or that. You can't be oh, yeah. this and that, Absolutely. which was probably a little critical to the debate because then you were listening, which is going to be my next question. But what sure. do you think about the ors and the ands? Uh, well, that, that's interesting, for, particularly for a, um, a small country like the United Arab Emirates, the um, uh, wanting to maintain relations with a number of large players in, in, a, in what is, is at times a unipolar world and sometimes a multipolar world. Absolutely. Not knowing exactly how you're going to be uh, treated by a new political party or a new president or a new prime minister in, uh, you know, essentially from the West who actually hold an immense amount of uh, transnational power. Um, and just try to try to understand uh, uh, the the possibility for small countries to be rather than partisans uh, to be mediators, place yeah. where um, we can we can assist other parties to actually come to, to terms with uh, with each other. So I think again, I'm always in my mind is the, is the Ukraine and Russia, uh, and now watching Turkey um, uh, try to offer its good offices uh, or Israel, for example. Um, and the idea that there needs to be a space where you, 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 can, you can be yourself and not make a commitment and not, not take a side in order to create an opportunity for those who have taken sides to exit those situations. There's also this, um, uh, you know, increasingly a feeling that uh, someone put it very beautifully and it stayed with me that um, uh, we're also becoming a time when uh, we're not listening, we're waiting. Nobody seems to be uh, yeah. willing to listen anymore. They're just waiting to set it out. Do you think, do you think that's a... Uh, yeah, I think not listening is a kind of arrogance that there is nothing to listen to, mm. that the other side doesn't have any legitimate interests or yeah. legitimate um, positions, um, that, you know, the, the, the non-listening side has already won all of the arguments. Um, and even if they haven't, well, they still have the high, high moral ground because they're continually defining the world from that perspective. And I think it's a function of the, the, you know, sort of the traditional power um, that uh, some of those, those groups uh, hold, that it allows them to... Um, be indifferent to um, other voices. And also, of course, you know, again, coming from a small country, we hear many other voices. Yeah. Uh, and we're always looking to hear uh, other voices. And I think that's, um, that's important. Uh, your, uh, your day job as a diplomat and, and your passion as a writer, uh, does one telescope into the other at some point of time, considering that there would be things that you'd want to, I mean, is there any seepage uh, between the two? Well, you know, I, I, I published one book around um, uh, Islam uh, at a time when ISIS was at its height. Sure. Uh, and I, um, I actually found myself being more diplomatic in that book than I was in my day job. And the reason was is because uh, I wanted to see the way in which uh, a, a 
um, a contemporary text could communicate with um, people who traditionally wouldn't have listened to uh, me. Sure. Uh, because I'm not an, a scholar of Islam, I don't claim any kind of credentials there, no, no religious authority, but as a, as a human being having a perspective and wanting to have that perspective picked up by um, people with very long beards uh, and, 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 you know, very, very, in certain cases, very narrow minds. Sure. Uh, uh, important to speak to them, important to actually communicate uh, with them because they still have a certain authority. Uh, we were speaking to uh, William Gallupel a while back and he said something very interesting. He said that even if you're writing about history, our present time uh, has a lot to do with the way that you're writing this history. Sure. And, yeah. and, and and you've written about Islam. Uh, did the contemporary scenario uh, color the way that you uh, you described what you were what you were writing? I think absolutely. I mean, because I can't I can't extricate myself from the um, you know, social situation I'm living in. Sure. Uh, the cultural situation I'm living in. Um, and, you know, sort of having access to historical material that sort of presents Islam, you know, as a golden period here or a, a, a you know, sort of glorious period there, all of that's fine, but it doesn't, it doesn't touch on my life today as, okay. as, as a Muslim. I see the Islam that, you know, is operating today in many different ways um, and as a, as, a, as a function of political, economic, uh, financial forces as well. Uh, we were talking about information earlier. Uh, what is your process as a writer? I'm assuming, of course, that um, as a diplomat, you know how to process information that's coming Big to you. Big assumption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have a rosy picture. <laughs> so that, and it's always nice to keep in these strange and bizarre times. But um, uh, but uh, uh, does, the, does the way that you treat information as, as a diplomat have any way in the way you treat information while you're writing as an author? Well, I will say that one of the questions I ask um, significant uh, figures in, in, the, in the political and diplomatic field is I do ask them, what sources of information do you use? Right. How do you judge them? Who do you speak to? And quite often I then find out that you know, they, hey, they will go to you know, the traditional Western sources uh, or, or yeah. they will you know, they'll have access to, you know, to national intelligence uh, sources or people on the ground. And it's just fascinating to see how different worldviews are built up through different sources of information. Also, you have to understand that, again, in a small country with limited resources, you have to think of all of the foreign sources of information that are coming to us and presenting themselves as part of our agenda or our interests and trying to extricate yourself from the uh, kind of the mud of somebody else's uh, yeah. ideas and, and interests and then thinking from, from your perspective. That's not an easy thing. That's working with other diplomats, working with um, government members, um, becoming self-aware and self-conscious of all of the influences on you. Um, now, when it, when it comes to writing, I'm, I'm in the process of completing a novel, uh, and it's, it feels like I've been in the process of completing it for about a year now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, but, but the sources of information, uh, they're, they're all around me because it's, it's, I'm, I'm just observing life in the Emirates, and it's that observation that is, uh, is kind of informing the passages that I write. Um, and so it's just becoming uh, hyper aware of specific instances, whether it's prayer or reciting verses of, you know, sort of uh, uh, in, in worship or, you know, looking at some of the plants and, and trees that we have in the Emirates and, 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 and digging into the significance that they have for me or for, you know, the main character. Um, but, I mean, the, the source of information are right there. I just want to be hyper aware of where I'm living. Does it also sometimes feel like compromise one or the other while you're doing one or the other job? 
Uh, no, no, not really. Actually, I, I actually think it's great to be able to exit one and enter the other. Um, and I'm, I'm becoming increasingly familiar with the idea of using certain mechanisms as portals into a different um, sense of uh, consciousness. You know, uh, to be able to enter the novel means, and, and that's part part of the reason why I'm not finishing it is because it's it's a home for me. It's yeah. a way out of. It's an imaginative way out of wherever I am. Uh, and perhaps the the way I finish it is by thinking what I should do next. Sure. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, you know, um, uh, writing has has become a little glamorous. What with the with the internet coming in, etc. And uh, yeah. with the JLF, and, you mean? Yeah, yeah. also. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, they're increasingly becoming faces. So uh, there are lots of people who get seduced by the glamour of of, of writing. Yeah. Uh, and there's always a flip side to the coin, which includes the grime that comes with the writing, the hard work yeah. that comes with writing. Uh, somebody with a stressful job who has. Uh, uh, a, a, a book inside of them, yeah. uh, which I'm assuming you had as well, which is what, yes. uh, what made you write. What is the advice that you'd give to uh, someone like that? Uh, I would just say that, I mean, in my case, um, I wrote one book, which was around Islam, and the second book, which is around um, you know, a particular uh, historical event. Uh, both of them uh, are situations where I need to actually write. Um, and it's a painful process. Part of, again, the reason why it's taken so long is that I have to face certain things in a, in a way that, you know, becomes worthy of publishing, um, but at the same time is actually very, very painful. Sure. Um, so, uh, I, but I, I think the, the, the pain of not doing it is, is, is greater than the pain of actually producing it. So that, that's important. Always recognize that, you know, in creation, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're offering up something to the world. Uh, and through the pain that you've you've gone, uh, um, you may be contributing to somebody else's uh, uh, peace. Yeah, in your pain, you might be contributing to someone else's peace. Uh, uh, wise words uh, from someone um, who has gained that wisdom with experience. So thank you, thank you very much for that, uh, uh, Mr. Omar Gobash. That's uh, thinking. It's important. And uh, if uh, what uh, he said made you think, that's a good step. Uh, don't shy away from it. Uh, thank you very much for your time, sir. Thank it's you. been absolutely wonderful. Um, this is the Team of Guards podcast. If you've got anything to say, you know what to do, right? Like, subscribe, comment. <laughs> we Validation is what we live for, so why not? <laughs> but, uh, uh, but we hope you enjoyed it. And more importantly, uh, we hope uh, there's that little little spark that, that makes you think a little because uh, thinking should not be a luxury. It should ideally be a necessity. Thank you very much for listening. This is the Teamwork Ads Podcast.